welcome to Necessary Illusions. I am your host, MC Squared. On this episode of the podcast, I interview Nick Menard of Shamagic. Check out his website, shamagic.love. Nick is a change agent, a breath worker, mushroom enthusiast, and psychonaut. Join us for a discussion on reality and existence. I hope you enjoy the show. Solidarity forever. Psychonaut, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Excited to be here. I'm just kidding. You're a breath worker, not a breast worker. You work a little bit of both. A little bit of both. A little bit here. A little bit of there. Okay. So, what's it mean to be a change agent? So, a change agent is, I imagine it. So, I went to get my certification in coaching, life coaching, and I didn't like that title i feel like it's very overused in today's world we see it everywhere uh there of course there's some great coaches out there but there's also some terrible ones so i didn't like the name Uh, i felt awkward saying i was a coach and i also didn't think that it described what i did so yeah i i am a change agent and how i describe it is it's like a sports agent so if you have a sports agent or if you're an actor and you get an agent What's the best type of agent? An agent is someone who's on your side, looking out for your best interest, and they're focused on you. They're not Jerry focused Maguire. on Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Yes. They're not focused on your own, on their own agenda. They're trying to help you. So their focus is you, and you are focused on your situation or life or what you want to do. And their entire purpose is to get you to where you need to be to find your blind spots, make you aware of the blind spots, to watch your back, to, yeah, help you create your dreams. And that's what I do. I help people create their dreams. Do you have uh, a lot of mentors, influences uh, along the way that maybe uh, brought you down, you know, the path that you currently find yourself on? For sure. Uh, Yeah, for a while I was just super into the personal development space. Uh, Tony Robbins was huge. I listened to a lot of Alan Watts, tons of podcasts. Uh, and back then I was trying to answer a question. I was looking around and I was noticing, okay, we're advancing super quick. Like so let's stop for a minute. Back then, uh, let's, let's go back to it. When did, yes. when did your past start? When, when are we talking here? When did you maybe have a revelation, change courses a little bit, or kind of maybe find your way? So mid, I would say, yeah, mid twenties, twenty three to twenty five is when that when that started. When I started getting into that world, 
Uh, I was after college, I was working, but I felt like there was more to life than what I was currently experiencing. So I started to go to find answers to figure out what exactly, yeah, what did I want to do with life? I felt like a lot of what I was perceiving up until that point was not a lie, but it was not, it wasn't for me. The path of get a job, buy a house, settle down, start a family. And that's what that was life. That's what you're supposed to do. And yeah, that just it didn't, didn't resonate with me. So I started, I didn't want to, at that point, there was no, no one in my direct uh, circle or, yeah, there wasn't a person I could go to like, hey man, like, you're doing something different. Like, tell me, like, give me, yeah, tell me what you're doing. You needed a guru so I, and you couldn't, you didn't have yeah, a guru within your social circle, huh? No, it's somewhere to go ask because everyone was saying the same thing. That's what you're supposed to do. Go to college, get a degree, get a house, yada, 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 yada. The rat race of society. So I had to go, yeah, and seek it elsewhere. And thank God for, for the day and age we live in, that we have the internet, we have access to these things. Because I think if it was a different period of time, there would not be access. So you would be stuck in your small town thoughts and ways and not having any idea what else was out there. Yeah, I think there's an incredible amount of free information. I, I do a lot of YouTube uh, for my some of my like you know podcasts and material and just research generally, trying to learn about the world, the universe, my place, where do I fit in. Um, but also like um, podcasts for sure. I've been doing it for a long time, listening to them, and it got to a point where I'm like, you know what, I can do this better than anybody else, or at least I think what I have to say is more interesting than other people. I was big into like, you know, kind of sports podcasts and like kind of science stuff and philosophy. And I'm like, I want something to kind of blend it all together. And you're like, and I was like, what, you know what? I can do that. I, I want to do that. You know, I only yes. been about a year or so, but uh, I, I dig it. You know, in terms of the free content available podcasts, I've really been uh, pretty big recently into open courseware, just taking like college courses, graduate courses. MIT has a lot of free stuff. Yale has a lot of free stuff. And I was always like maybe um, under the impression I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, not smart enough to go to the Ivy League or, you know, uh, those people, they, they, they just must know something that I don't know. And then you uh, listen to some Yale podcasts, uh, some MIT stuff. I, I found some stuff from like Duke. And I'm like, that's the same shit. They didn't teach me anything. <laughs> you know, they didn't teach these yeah. kids anything different than I learned in my, you know, college courses or, or whatnot. So, um, yeah, I, I just find it really interesting, though, just the amount of free information available, especially like high end institutions where, you know, they're probably molding, you know, some of the best minds around. And you're like, yeah, this is this is, you know, kind of this. This is, this is stuff that I can comprehend. This isn't stuff out of my league. This is stuff that I can do too. And I think that's maybe part of what I'm trying to do on this podcast is try to take complex subjects like reality, physics, I had a physicist on, talking about the political system, the socioeconomic system, and try to make it understandable. You know, And a part of this um, podcast too is like as I'm learning stuff, I'm like, how well do I really know it? You know, can I explain it to other people? Can I explain it to my listeners? And that's why I found it like, you know, therapeutic. You know, it's kind of like hopefully someone out there might be, you know, interested in what I'm doing here. But the other part is like it's more for me than anything. You know, I'm trying to like kind of comprehend and understand these complex ideas and whatnot. 
But, um, you know, trying to explain it and teach it to other people, that's when you really know, you know, you have a mastery of it. So maybe you went down the path to something similar where you're like, you're trying to learn, you're trying to, you know, see maybe where you fit in, what you want to do, how you want to spend your life. And then eventually you're like, you know what? I'm going to be that change agent. I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the person that's going to be the influence for the next person out there similar to me, you know, and I can provide them, uh, you know, maybe some, maybe some uh, avenues, some advice, or maybe they talk to me and they want to go in a completely different direction, you know? So is that kind of the stuff that you're doing and what types of people are you interacting with, you know, along, along your path, um, you know, along, along the way and what kind of people, uh, are you serving as a change agent for? Yeah, super. There's lots of impact there. Uh, I go off on tangents. I don't even have points really. I, that's why I like to try to like too much stuff. We're just shooting the shit here. Whatever you feel yeah. like talking about, if you're like, you know, one, yeah. question. let's go a different direction. I'm fine with that too. No, 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 I love it. One is, yeah, the, how I got into the coaching space and breath work and that was because I was searching for myself, right? So I wanted answers for myself. I didn't go into it thinking like, hey, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn this stuff so I can just go tell other people about it. I think that's, well, people, yeah, I think that's, that can work for so long, but if you're not doing it yourself, you're really not helping anyone. I think it all starts with you. So everything that I got into was first myself. I was experimenting on myself and trying to find answers within myself. And then how I yeah got into that, the coaching specifically is I was, I don't know if I was in corporate America, but I was doing healthcare consulting. So I was consulting for outpatient doctor's offices in the tri-state area. Uh, and I wanted, yeah, I knew I wanted to do something else. There was something more out there. So then I started thinking, okay, what am I just naturally good at? Or what do people naturally come to me to for? And it was that, like people were calling me friends, family, anything. If they need a device, they're calling me or if they needed to talk about something, they'd call, I'd listen. So I thought, okay, I want to explore that more. And I want to see like, yeah, what else? Basically I wanted to become my own change agent first figure out what's going on yeah what's going on in my own life what do i need to shift uh again i did that thing there was more out there i wanted to find out what else there was and i also noticed that we were advancing so quick as a species knowing more and more about ourselves, technologically knowing more and more about the brain the body even though we, i still believe we don't know that much about it but still we were advancing super quickly so I would think that you know, my, the assumption would be the more and more we know about ourselves, the selves, the healthier and happier we become. But it was actually trending in the opposite direction. We were becoming more and more unhealthy and more and more un- unhappy. And there was like higher rates of anxiety, higher rates of depression. So that didn't make sense to me. So that was the main question that I asked myself. Why are we the smartest? Yeah. I guess the Buddha don't know that. Why are we the smartest species ever to walk the face of the earth, yet we're the most unhealthy ever to do it? That didn't make sense. So I wanted to go find answers. And that was what I was after for years. What and... answers did you find? Why are we living so unhealthy? Why, why is it the fact that, you know, 
society and the socioeconomic political system is designed to, you know, work the majority of your waking hours serving a master. So this is some of the plot, uh, politics stuff that I talk about. But I think a lot of people are maybe lost, maybe depressed, unsatisfied, you know, with their lives. But unfortunately, you know, you have to make a living. You have to work. You have to get a paycheck. Some people are less fortunate than others. Certainly, there's a lot of people out there in the gig economy, you know, doing doing Uber Eats or Lyft or, um, you know, doing kind of gig gig work and making, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 8 or 10 or $15 per, um, you know, car ride, you know, for whatever they're doing. And uh, maybe you know, 20 or 30 of those car rides and maybe they work in another job on the side adds up to a paycheck, you know, but what they're not getting is they're not getting health care. They're not getting a retirement plan. There's no job insecurity. If they get a flat tire, they're not getting a paycheck, you know. So part of what I want to do is talk about the socioeconomic system, talk about like, you know, we have this government in place, but point out the fact that it doesn't take care of normal working people. I think both political parties left the, um, you know, working class, um, you know, abandoned them both, you know, Decades ago, so a lot of people were out there struggling. A lot of people were out there trying to find purpose, but it's tough to do that. You know, it's tough to go on a search for answers. It's try. It's tough to go on a search. You know, deep within yourself when you're you know working two, three jobs, trying to put food on the table. Maybe you're married. You have a kid. You got a mortgage. Uh, you want to put kids through college. Maybe you're paying off student debt. You know, so a lot of people don't have you know the luxury and the time afforded to you know maybe go on this kind of deep inner quest and search. So I think part of what I try to do in the podcast is point out that this socio-political economic system is bullshit. I think it needs to be torn down. And I think that you know we should have as a as a, as a human race, you know, with all this technology available, I talk about like automation. We have robots that can think for themselves and do jobs and you know remedial work and dangerous jobs um, to make our lives a lot more um, to free up more free time for us as human beings to do more creative work to put better use of our time. And yet, um, you know, we're, the working hours are continuing to increase. Again, people working two and three jobs, especially gig work, just for the means to, to get by, just for subsistence. Uh, working hours are going up. The five-day work week, that hasn't been changed since the early 1900s. So why are we so technologically advanced? Why are we increased with technology, productivity? Um, we have the information network available, the Internet. You know, We have automation uh, robots, all these types of things. Why, why do we have so much um, resources available to us? And yet normal working people are still struggling to get by, still forced to work, you know, the majority of waking hours, five days a week, you know, it's some job that a lot of people hate, you know. So, uh, you know, I guess the system is, is I, I like Noam Chomsky. It's one of my big influences, the manufacturing of consent. Uh, our consent has been manufactured. A lot of us don't have a choice. Like, I would love to golf every day, maybe play Frisbee, take some mushrooms and go to the beach. But guess what? I got a, you know, I got a, I got a paycheck. I got a mortgage now. Uh, I got a, you know, I got bills, student loans, all this kind of stuff. So you know what I'm going to be going, doing tomorrow? I'm going to be going to work. And you know what I'm going to be doing Friday? I'm going to be going to work. Saturday, you know, who knows? I get two days off a week. But, uh, you know, what do you think about the system, the economic system, the political system, the fact that, uh, you know, to run for president, it takes like $14 billion. The 2020 election, I think it was $14 billion. That's $7 billion apiece. If you want to run for president, you better have $7 billion bucks. Or at least people that are really smart, you know. Why is it the fact that, you know, 2024, we're going to have two people 
running for president that most people hate. Most people would think anybody but Joe Biden and Donald Trump to run for president. But you know who's shaping up to be a rematch, and nobody's happy about it. Yet, unfortunately, that's the system that we have. That's the manufacturing of consent. We don't have a choice. Whether you like Donald Trump or not, he's going to be the candidate in the Republican Party. And whether or not you like Joe Biden, who has clear cognitive decline, doesn't even know where he is half the time, 80-some years old, um, he's, been a, he's been a shill for the um, you know, corporate America, for the banking system, for the military-industrial complex. He's got us in two wars since he's taken over the presidency. Uh, whether you like Joe Biden or not, guess what? He's the choice in the Democratic Party. You want to vote third party? Well, some people might say that uh, that's a wasted vote because they're probably going to struggle to even carry 10% of the electorate. So what say you? That's what I, this is my bread and butter stuff. What say you? I'm kind, I kind of felt similar to you, um, you know. Or I'm like, what do I what do I do on the daily grind? A job that I don't really love, something I'd rather be doing other than going to work, spending the majority of my time in an office. But I guess I've, I'm having trouble getting out of that grind. Some of the, some of what I've been doing here with the podcast is kind of venting and you know letting out some of that creative energy that I have. But uh, I'd love to find an answer to get out of that daily grind. I'm sure a lot of Americans would. Yeah. Well, everything's a choice. So if you hate the job you're doing, if you're working three jobs or you're doing whatever, of course, definitely understand that, but it's a choice and we cho- we're choosing to do that. You can also choose to not do that. If you're playing by the rule that you were told you were supposed to play by, you're choosing to play those rule- rules. And it doesn't need to be, yeah, I think maybe that's the misconception is it's like quest to figure out what the fuck you really want to do is some long thing that you need to spend eight hours a day doing. Like, dude, it could start as waking up in five minutes, journaling, just writing whatever the, whatever comes out. It could be like, we have these phones. Like, if you're telling me that you don't have enough time, check how much time you're on your phone. I can guarantee you 99.9% of America spend hours a day on their phone. So if you want to do something else, get off your phone. That'd be step one. It's kind of like a gift and a curse, right? The technology that we have available, yet so much time is wasted probably on social media. What's your thought about social media? So much of my time I find wasted on there. Is it a a good net gain? Is it a net positive? Is it a net negative? Or is it just kind of neutral? It can be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, I think it can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you use it. But... I always think of when I'm on social media that people creating social media, their goal is to get you addicted to social media. So if you get, for me, if I gamify it, okay, the goal is to get me addicted to social media. Then the objective is not to go against that. Like if they're if you get addicted to social media, they're winning and they're smart. Like they're putting billions of dollars into these apps, billions of dollars. If you think you're going to outsmart them and they're studying every single move, billions and billions of dollars, you're wrong. If you just think like, oh, this willy-dilly around and I won't get addicted to this shit. You're gonna, what, do you, what do you think about our data? What do you think about them sharing our data? Um, big tech spying on us, the corporate state nexus. You know, they're tracking scary. every click on your phone. They know at all times. I remember like thinking back in the day, like imagine in the 1970s if they're like, Hey, we're going to put a chip on you and we're going to know where you are every second of the day from the time you get up to the time you go to bed. People would be like, that is outrageous. That's 1984 stuff. I don't want to live in that reality. Well, guess what? We do it. This is never more than a couple feet away from me. We do it now willingly. You know what I mean? This phone is as I have. This is audio only. Yeah. No, I think it's, yeah, I think it's crazy. Uh, 
and and the fact that we just don't know like a lot of this shit with the information stuff with politics everything like to me it should be very straightforward hey this is what we're doing and it's just open this is what we're doing you can choose to participate or you can choose to not participate but now it's a lot of yeah well, people, everyone that has an opinion think that their opinion is correct and truth, which is not true. Let, let's go. So it's a lot of like we have to dive into and really like research and try to try to figure out what's going on, what's not going on. Yeah, there's a lot. I think there's should a be lot a lot of propaganda more out there. there. There's a lot of misinformation, oh, yeah. propaganda. Uh, you said something about truth. What is truth? You know, as you as you look through the world around you, you know, as you use your senses to perceive. Uh, my, my, the name of the podcast is Necessary Illusions. That's a Chomsky lecture. Essentially, you know, the ruling class, the media, the propaganda apparatus, they construct these necessary illusions to keep the population, you know, kind of obedient, subservient. Uh, distracted possibly, you know, with sports or uh, movies, computers, um, you know, uh, magazines, um, re- reality television, uh, Instagram, anything, you know, they, 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 correct, they create these necessary illusions to kind of keep us in our place and then distract us with technology and entertainment and, what that, and whatnot. And, um, you know, the entire information system, whether you want to talk about like the New York Times or Twitter or um, CNN, Fox News, uh, Google. I mean, the entire information machine is owned by, what, a handful of billionaires with an agenda. So let's go back to, you know, your quest for truth and, and, and discovery. How do you know when you found the truth about reality, about history, about politics, about the economy, about how you should spend your life? How do you know when you found truth and how do you maybe sift through misinformation, propaganda, lies, bad um, advice, all that kind of stuff? For me, you know it's true, or at least true for you, because everything's an illusion. So there's necessary illusions, but this entire life is an illusion. And the illusion is based on your perception. And no two people walking the face of the earth live the same life. So you're all perceiving reality differently. So there's no one size fits all. This is what it should be. This is how it should be. And you should believe in this because someone else is going to come along and tell you, like, there's no way I don't believe in that. And that's not true to me. And they're right. And you're right. So I think everything, yeah, number one, everything's an illusion. And there are ways that government, society, businesses create illusions in order to control. Uh, for me, how do I find what's true to me? It's just feel it. Like I know when something's going on, I can typically feel in my body and sense very clearly, this is true or this is bullshit. It's like if when you walk in and you meet someone for the first time. That initial feeling you get, you can usually tell, like, this person's, I need to stay away from this person or I need to get close to this person. You're, you feel that kind Same of energy? Thing. So talk about that. I find that interesting. I definitely do, too. 
when you meet someone, you know, and uh, you're getting these kind of vibes. Like, I don't like these vibes. That's, that's what the kids are saying. You know, this is yeah, yeah. not my vibe, man. You know, this is not my vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's not my kind of vibe. No, but for real. What, what, uh, what about that when you're meeting someone, you know, where you can kind of tell? That's, that's interesting to me. I think it's, I, I don't know if we do it consciously or subconsciously, but you can kind of tell. At least you have a feel, the kind of energy or whatnot. I think this is, I'm into Western philosophy, but this kind of sounds like kind of that mind, body, maybe more Eastern philosophy. Um, what goes into that when you're meeting someone new for the first time or just meeting people throughout your life? Um, uh, what maybe th- what, 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 what is a change agent? You know, are you trying to teach people like, hey, find people that are positive influences in your life? And how do you find, um, you know, or how do you know when you've met someone that maybe, you know, you should stay away from? Is there is there is there a system? Is there a formula? Is this something you've talked to or thought about a lot? Yeah, number one is to most people are so disconnected from themselves and the world around them that they have no idea. So they, you might think, yeah, they, they don't trust themselves. They don't even trust their own judgments. Because maybe in the past, those judgments have not led to what they've wanted to experience in the world. So number one is getting clear on what exactly you do want and then attuning your body so you're able to, when you walk in a room where you see someone, you're talking to someone, you're going to say, no, do I feel... Typically, you're going to feel your body. You're going to want to go forward, and you're going to want to pull away. If I'm feeling like I'm going to pull away, don't try to let the mind come in like, oh, no, you should stay here. You should be polite. You should keep hanging out with this person because they want to hang out with you, and I feel bad saying no, which is sometimes the hardest thing for anyone to do is just say no because we're so taught just to say yes no matter what. So figuring out exactly what you want, attuning to yourself, and then starting to listen Listen to yourself instead of just constantly having this internal conflict where your body's saying yes, but your mind starts saying no. And then you start trying to override your natural system. It's allowing and yeah, trusting that what you feel is what you know and just seeing where that goes. The, some of my favorite, probably my favorite philosopher, at least one of them, uh, Rene Descartes. Um, Descartes, he talked about the mind-body problem, you know, and that's, I think, kind of what you're talking about here, mind and body, um, and the fact that potentially, you know, are, are, is this all an illusion? Is this just all uh, some sort of, um, you know, finely constructed um, image in your brain? Like, is this actual reality, or is this going on? Like, how do you know you're not dreaming right now? Descartes had also talked about... Um, or I guess the, the thought of experiment with some of his work would be, what if I'm a mad scientist, you know, and you're just a brain in a vat. I'm dipping and, and putting little chemicals in different lobes of your brain, making it seem like you're here today on a laptop, having a conversation with someone halfway across the country. But no, in reality, you're just a brain in a vat. I'm just a mad scientist, and I've concocted these chemicals to make it seem almost perfectly like, you know, you're actually having this experiment that you're not. You're not having this experience at all you're just a you know disconnected brain from a vat and i'm a very successful mad scientist so uh what say you about that mind body problem and uh, perhaps those visceral reactions um i remember now we're going back to biology 101 you know that kind of flight fright and uh flight and fright thing you know where it's like yes. stay here and uh you know have this conversation uh, do i have good feelings or should i listen to my the butterflies in my stomach should i run away from this person something's not right here you know uh, and, and sometimes i find myself you know kind of yeah the brain can override that right your body might say one thing but the brain says another yeah 
And most of us are living in a upregulated, sympathetically dominated state because of the current reality we live in and the stressors at B, which are very real for a lot of people. For instance, you yeah, just as general day, you wake up, you start driving to work, you hit traffic. Now you're getting worked up and might be late to work. Oh my gosh, you get to work. You open up your email, you have an email from your boss, stress. So you're just constantly living in this upregulated state, this fight or flight state, depending on who you are, which is our body has that system to keep us safe. And it was meant for back in the day when we were out in the wild and a lion starts running after us, we <laughs> need to upregulate and move quick. It is meant. It was meant to just go into that state. Okay, upregulated, heart rate goes up, blood flow goes up, we run, digestion stops, right? And then we climb up the tree and we go back down to the parasympathetic state. But most, I would argue, yeah, most of, definitely the U.S. is living this sympathetically upregulated state because now instead of the lion, it's social media, it's the phone, it's all these other stressors that are keeping us in this upregulated state. So in order to, yeah, I would say to attune yourself, it's going to be number one, get, get the person or whoever is I'm working with out of that sympathetically upregulated state so they can start trusting their decision-making. So instead of making a decision from fear and I'm unsafe and I need to run, it could come from, okay, I'm safe, I'm secure. Now what's going on? Also, we're just constantly looking for threats. It'd be like the same person walking on the street. They're upregulated and they're constantly looking for threats. And they're walking and the dog across and they look across the street. There's a dog that starts barking and they freak, they freak out, right? Because they think the dog's going to attack them. The same person walks on the street the next day. They're super calm. Everything's safe, secure. Their nervous system isn't all out of whack. The dog starts barking. They just look at it like it's, yeah, saying hi to them. They keep on walking. So how do you, how do you help people maybe overcome doubts? Sometimes your per, your perceptions, you know, sometimes your senses can deceive you. Uh, how do I know, you know, when I take a step, you know, that my, the floor is going to crash beneath me or, you know, maybe when I'm walking, how do I know that my senses, my eyes, my vestibular system, um, just my, I guess, reaction time, I've bumped into tables before, you know, I've made bad decisions. I've made Lots and lots of past failures. Maybe I'm struggling. So how might you help someone that, uh, you know, their senses have failed them. Their decision-making has failed them. They've made bad decisions in the past. Maybe they're no longer confident in their abilities. How do you help them, you know, change and, uh, I guess, instill that confidence and ensure and instill that trust that they have within themselves? First, we're going to make in peace with the past. The past, we have to... It's easy to look back at the past or past choice and be like, wow, that was such a shitty decision because we're looking at it from the point of view of now with our present experience and our present life. Yeah, whatever present life chapter we're on, we're looking back at a previous chapter saying like, oh man, like the greatest, the greatest judges ourselves, like judging ourselves back then, like back then and right now, whatever decision we make right now is the best decision that we think we're supposed to be making for ourselves. So the way to start instilling yeah, better decision making, because maybe now we want to maybe now we want to create a different life. We want to create something 
a different experience in life. So if we keep making this decisions, we were trying to create a separate experience in the past. Now it's going to be a conflict. We're going to keep recreating the same thing over and over again. So it's getting super clear on what exactly do you even want? Like instead of not, what do I not want? That's what a lot of people focus on. I don't want to be depressed anymore. I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to experience doubt. I don't want to doubt myself. I don't want to keep shaming myself. If we just focus on what we don't want, we're just going to re- keep recreating that thing. The mind doesn't perceive or doesn't understand don't. It's like when we're kids and our parents say, hey, don't, don't drink. What do we want to do? We want to go drink. <laughs> hey, or even little kids, don't touch the hot stove. The first thing is they want to go touch the hot stove because the mind doesn't register do not. So it's just think do. So if we are so focused on, I don't want to be depressed anymore, we're going to keep creating depressed, depression. I've actually read a book, uh, Zen Golf. I like a lot of Eastern philosophy, although I'm more of a Western philosopher, but Zen Golf is a really good book. Uh, they talked about that, too. He was a uh, sports psychologist and who also got into Zen. Uh, the name of the author escapes me. But when you're on the golf, uh, when you're on the, um, the tee box, you know, and you got the, the fairway out there and you have, uh, you know, a lake to your right and maybe a cliff to your left, you know, and you're like, you know, are you thinking, hey, hit it straight down the fairway? Oftentimes, especially the, the, the hacker golfer, you know, he's thinking, don't hit it off the cliff or don't hit it in that <laughs> water. And as soon as you get that thought in your mind, don't hit it in the water, you know exactly where that ball is going, you know? Exactly. So, hundred percent, and it's avoiding things like making mistakes in life is part of life. It's a good thing. So, what's your relationship with that? If I make a mistake or I do something that doesn't work out, am I then telling myself, "Oh, I'm stupid. I'm not enough." Everyone has limiting beliefs. It's part of being human. I think they're there for a reason. They are there for a reason. Else, they wouldn't be there. So, everyone has a limiting belief here. I don't have enough experience. I'm not smart enough. I'm not beautiful enough, I'm too old, I'm too young. All that boils down to, I am not enough in some level. So everyone has this core limiting belief. And those beliefs are there. They're trying to keep you safe. They're trying to keep you from not going into the unknown. Back to the nervous system. What is, the primary focus is going to be, it's like your parents, but we also we have our inner parent. The primary focus is to keep us safe. So to keep us safe, even if we're in Let's just say, as an example, an abusive relationship. Why do people see an abusive relationship? If you're not in an abusive relationship, you think these people are crazy. Like, what the hell are they thinking? Why would they ever allow this to happen to them, right? But people who are in abusive relationships, they've been in it and they know that they're still surviving. So it's safe. It's their normal. To go out of that, that's super unsafe. I don't know what it would be like if I left and I was not in this relationship anymore. And that's why a lot of people who are in those type of relationships, they get out of it and then what do they do? The next partner, who do they find? Another abuser because that's it's safe. That's kind of similar to like Stockholm Syndrome too, you know, where it's like what you uh, relate with the captor. If you're like kidnapped or something like that, isn't that the, the Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I should know. I know the Stockholm Syndrome or I know the, the name, but I'm not. I can't recall exactly what it is. Yeah, I think if you're, like, kidnapped or something like that, over time, you start to, like, hey, you know, this is they're keeping me safe, uh, even though they're obviously, you know, trying to do you harm. So, uh, but, yeah, Yeah. I I think 
I think psychology um, and just the mind. I love the mind body problem. I always go back to Descartes, but I'll transition yeah. Descartes. Maybe say uh, they say he's the father of um, modern Western philosophy. I've also had some kind of Eastern philosophers on. It sounds like you know some of your reading on your website, Shemagic, and we'll get into that too. It sounds like a lot of your influences are more so maybe Eastern philosophical. So I'll pose you the question: um, Time. What is it? Is time relative? Is it infinite? Is it finite? Um, you know, does the universe have a beginning and end? Is it all cyclical? Are we just cycles in time? I think, you know, the Eastern philosophy tradition um, is kind of more like, you know, it's infinite, it's cycles, it'll go on forever. Whereas maybe the Western philosophical tradition was there is a beginning to the universe, the Big Bang, and if there's a beginning, it's going to have an end too. So what say you about time? Is it relative? Is it infinite? Is it finite? Is it all cyclical? What do you, what do you think about those things? Time is infinite, and it's an illusion. We've created, we created time, but time has to exist in order to live in this reality. We didn't have time, and that would be a metric in this reality that it would, yeah, everything would go haywire. So we need to have time in order for this reality to exist. But I do think it's infinite. I don't think that, yeah, I don't believe that the Big Bang theory, which is just a theory, yeah. us trying to put sense, it's us trying to make sense into a world that really makes no sense. And the more that we think we know, the more we don't know. So if we think, oh, that time started and we start buying into that, biblical stories as if they're reality. Like, oh yeah, humanity started with Adam and Eve. I think we're, what we're doing as humans is we're trying to put everything into a structure, into something that makes sense. When in reality, the majority of it doesn't make any sense at all. And I don't think we're here, we're here to maybe try to understand and make sense of it, but I believe we all chose to come to this reality. I believe we'll, we don't die and it's just that light goes out and we're done. I believe we live on past this reality. We'll live on numerous lives through this reality. And each time we're coming here to learn something new, to experience something different. Nothing's ever going to be the same. And I don't think it's, yeah, I also, I don't, I don't know, but I would, I like to believe that you could also reincarnate back to a previous period of time. That time isn't, this thing that goes and okay, I died. If I come back in another life, I'm going to come back, you know, a hundred years from now into a different body and a different experience. But yeah, I read it. I've read a lot of the Seth material. He talks about this, which Seth is a, do you know who Seth? I don't. Seth material. No. So Seth material is this person channeled a, yeah, he's spirit. And through that channeling, basically they wrote a series of books. I don't know how many of the books there are, but they're called, yeah, there's different books and they're all sessions. So this person would go into this trance and the spirit would come and word for word dictate the entire book. And so they, in the Seth material, Seth talks a lot about this time, reincarnation, choice, that we all have this spirit self and we're living in multiple realities all at once. Right now, we just believe that we're living in this reality, but according to Seth material, we're living in infinite realities all at once. Which is hard for us to conceptualize because we're so, yeah, we're in this reality. 
We what do you think about the, the multiverse theory? Let me go. Let me hit on some time stuff real quick. Uh, Immanuel right. Kant said that time was a you know human construction. Uh, other you know maybe life forms, animals on this planet, they might not feel time the way that we do or experience it. That he you know he thinks, and one of the greatest philosophers ever, Immanuel Kant, says that uh, you know it's a human construction. It's part of our you know thinking apparatus. It's part of how we make sense of our reality. It doesn't really yeah. exist outside of the mind. Although Einstein kind of had a really sophisticated theory and said that, you know, time is relative, uh, you know, 24 hours a day as, as the planet spins, um, you know, 365 days, um, an orbit uh, around the sun, that's a year. Uh, whereas if you're on a different planet that spins maybe a little bit faster or that takes a lot longer, maybe Pluto's 200 and some years to orbit the planet, you might experience time differently, but it's ex- it exists. It's real. Uh, but, you know, it's experienced relatively, you know, if you're traveling at the speed of light and you, and you leave Earth and come back, you know, it might feel like only a few days had passed when really it might have been a lifetime, you know. So I, I find it fascinating. I still like to think about um, relativity. Uh, but let's go to this time being forever. Actually, Einstein liked the static universe that was infinite. Uh, but what about when the sun expands? It's, it's, it, 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 I think billions of years into the future supposedly, if you can believe the physicists and they and you believe that they know what they're talking about, the size of the sun, it's going to expand. It's going to become a red giant. It's going to swallow up the Earth. So what about time then? Uh, is time still going to exist for us if Earth is no longer here? And where might we go? Well, to, yeah, time, it's a human creation, right? Like Animals didn't create the calendar. The trees didn't create the calendar. The sun didn't create the calendar. It's just this ongoing thing. And there's so many processes that we can't even see. Like we're having millions of input. So let's talk about this too. Like time, let's talk about the universe, time and space, right? I mean, what existed before the universe? You know, supposedly it it, it, uh, expanded with the Big Bang, you know, but what was existing in that space? Did it not exist at all? What, what, uh, what about the time, space, you know, kind of continuum? Uh, you know, are, are we existing? And this kind of goes into maybe what Plato and some of the other philosophers, some of the ancient Greeks and uh, some of the Christian theologians and whatnot. What about the mind-body problem? What about the soul? You know, soul might be immaterial. Perhaps the soul might last forever. But what about time and space? And what about this reality? So what's the question, did does time and space exist, or is it infinite? I believe. I think what do you think about infinite. immaterial soul? Like you know, maybe our bodies, right? Maybe our bodies will die, and maybe planet Earth will die. But you said about reincarnation and all that kind of stuff. What about the soul? Do you believe in a soul, uh, some immaterial soul? Do you believe in some shadow reality? I talked to a uh, an author. He believed in a shadow reality out t- outside of um, you know our, our existence here on Earth. Like, I guess maybe the question is, what about time, space, reality, soul? And what about what happens after death? Do you think that, you know, we go somewhere else? And if you, if you believe that, where might we go? Or do you think we're reincarnated back here on Earth? Obviously, these are questions that maybe none of us have answers to, but I do like to think about them. Yeah, yeah. No, it's super fascinating stuff to think about. I believe that, yes, the soul lives on. The soul's energy. So the soul will live on. And your soul can live on forever, and you'll have a choice. I believe that at, at once you die, you go into this, just say middle world for lack of a better term, but this space, a void, and you'll be able Do you to choose. That multiverse stuff? 
Do you believe in the multiverse stuff? You know, what about the multiverse and what is your picture of reality? Talk to, talk, fit all this stuff together for me, if you will, like a puzzle. Yeah, I believe that there's, I believe that there's infinite planes of existence. I believe that there's infinite universes. I think that just because we can't see it in our very limited scope, but every time we could build, just look at telescopes. Like every time we could look further into space, it just keeps on going. And where do we go when we go to bed? Like what are, what are our dreams? What is that? What about psychedelics? You take psychedelics and suddenly this reality starts changing. You start seeing a lot more. And I believe that's just, it's removing filters. Again, we're having millions, if not billions of inputs every second. And we would go crazy if we had to take all that in. Like, dude, we couldn't function. We would be a vegetable because it's so much. So we have to filter it out in order to exist in this reality. But if you start removing some of those filters, which psychedelics do, is start removing filters, you're able to take on and see a lot more from different perspectives and different perceptions. And that's what creates life. What are we perceiving? People say that all the time. Your perception is your, your reality. So what are you perceiving? And we can change that perce- perception. And we can start perceiving other things. If I'm constantly perceiving fear, I'm going to live a life full of fear. And everything is going to be seen through the lens of fear. If I start seeing love, and I start looking at everything from a love perspective, the same things are going to start changing. Everything's going to be different. My entire experience of this life is going to be different. What do you think? So, yeah, after death, I believe you go to this, yeah, you go into this space and you get to decide. Your ancestors, people, other spirits, they come, you get to decide, what do I, where do I want to go? What do I want to experience? Do I want to go back in time? Do I want to go forward in time? How do I want to live this? And then we're born into it and we don't remember any of that. That's part of the journey. I think and the mind. I choose to be here. Like I'm, I'm choosing to be here right now. You're choosing to be here right now. And we're co-creating this reality at this specific time. We chose to be here at this time. So if we're thinking like, man, I hate this life and I don't want to be here. Like, yeah, we're choosing to be here. It was a choice. And we chose to be here. I think the mind is incredibly powerful. I had a, uh, a neuroscientist on and he had mentioned a study that uh, the best correlation um, or the best predictor for how long you're going to live is how long you think you're going to live. If you think you're going to live a long, fruitful, fulfilling life, more often than not, you do. If you think you're going to die early and get some debilitating disease like Steve Jobs thought all along, you do. Maybe like uh, Biggie and, uh, you know, ready to die in life after death. Maybe he, uh, you know, maybe he envisioned that and then it happened. I don't know. I'm, I'm now really getting off the deep end here. But I do think no, that, 100%. Uh, I do think that the mind is incredibly powerful. I think if, you know, if you don't think it, um, you know, it won't happen, you know, but if you think it, you plan it, you can, you know, you can make it your reality. That's kind of what I think now about life and death. Um, I thought maybe at one point in time that, uh, you know, you die, the lights turn out and that's that's it. I still kind of think that that's probably what happens, although I'm not sure and I can't ever be certain until it actually happens to me. But I'm starting to think now that perhaps, you know, for religious people, maybe we can talk about religion briefly, for religious people that maybe they devote their entire lives to, um, you know, spirituality, the Bible, some God, whether it's uh, the Christian God or another God, 
Um, if they believe it at their time of death, maybe that's their reality once they die, and that's the you know the next life that uh, is waiting for them. Maybe people uh, that think the lights go out, that's it, it's over. Maybe that happens to them, you know. And maybe that people that think that there's some spiritual world, some multiverse, some shadow realm, perhaps if they've been thinking that their entire lives and they've created this in their mind, perhaps that that's where they go. So what what do you think about that though? And what do you think about that philosophy that maybe if you think it after death maybe that's where you go yeah that wouldn't surprise me that could definitely be a possibility what do you think about what well, do you think thoughts, about thoughts are so powerful it's energy so whatever energy we're going to put out we're going to start creating so if we're constantly thinking that then yeah we could we could definitely create it what, what's, really, what's your thoughts of free will Free will versus, you know, maybe a predetermined existence. Do you think that we have free will? I do. Or do you think that, you know, it's everything is predetermined from the time, you know, God or some all-powerful being created this universe and uh, everything is, you know, predetermined. It happens just like clockwork. Or maybe something no. else. Maybe something that's not predetermined. Maybe there's something, not, something that's not free will, but something maybe that we don't quite understand. No, I definitely think we have free will. And it's a choice. I see it like... <laughs> There's constantly different, we come to yeah, forks in the road and you're either going to choose to go on this one and that's going to lead on to other forks in the road or this one. So it's constantly you're choosing. What am I choosing to do? And every decision we make or every, yeah, different fork we want to go down, you're going to experience something differently. So, yeah, no, I, I do not think it's predetermined. And I think that there's things that are going to try to pull you certain ways and you can choose not to go down that path out of fear or you can choose not to go down that path and yeah it's up to it's up to you what you want to choose but i do think that we're all here to do something and that those things are going to like there's certain things that are constantly showing up in our mind throughout our day that we're noticing and we can either put the blinders on or we can take the blinders off we can start saying, hey, okay, there's something else there. Let me go follow this thing that's maybe against what I, my parents told me, against what my teachers told me, against what society told me, and it's going to get weird, and everyone's going to tell me that I'm stupid, and I shouldn't be doing this, and yada, yada, yada. But it's still a choice. Everyone, I think everyone has free will. Let's go. Uh, my last question here, then we got to get into some, some magic stuff. Uh, the Singularity. Um, inflationary theory of the universe. Uh, supposedly, when the universe expanded, it uh, defied all laws of physics as we know it. So I'm not sure that it holds up very well. Although um, very much accomplished physicists uh, say that that's what explains our reality and how we got here. But Max Tegmark, who's a, uh, a physicist, I have his book uh, at MIT. He says that basically, you know, when we talk about singularity, that's just a fancy word for saying we don't know. You know, we we have no idea. What happens? You know, we, we're putting, we're um, you know breaking down the beginning of the universe at, at some pinpoint we call the singularity in the Big Bang, but that's just a fancy way of saying pretty much. I'm paraphrasing that. You know, we don't really know what happens. So, what say you yeah. about the singularity? What say you about? Uh, I, I find these questions uh, fascinating too. The multiverse, which we briefly discussed, uh, I think it's a theory, but uh, you know, maybe not. Maybe we'll never really understand where we are in this existence in this reality. I think the universe was invented to encompass everything, and yet now we have a theory that's bigger than everything. It's the multiverse, everything, everything. So it's kind of a, you know, uh, uh, 
<laughs> maybe another way of saying we really don't understand uh, our, our reality. But what about, yeah. you, what about you and wormholes? I find wormholes, black holes fascinating. What do you think happens there? Do you think it connects uh, parts of our universe, perhaps the multiverse, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, some reality after death? Uh, do you think about wormholes, black holes at all? I have a book by Stephen Hawking. I haven't read it yet, but uh, he was very interested in them. What say you about wormholes and black holes? Do they interest you as well? They do interest me. I have not looked too much into them, but I think all this stuff exists. If we just think about when we were in college, right? And there was constantly like you'd buy a book and say to say biology. And the next year, probably the same exact course, there'd be an updated version. And it'd be new material. And they'd be changing stuff. They'd be taking out stuff. So it's our desire as humans to make sense of something, to make sense of this reality and why we're here and yeah, that's a constant. That's a question that everyone eventually arrives to. Like, why am I here? So we're trying to make sense of it, but there's constantly new theories coming out. There's constantly new studies coming out. And to think that in another five years, ten years, some of those theories are going to be debunked, and there's going to be a new theory, right? So it's constantly we're constantly evolving. Thoughts are constantly evolving. We're trying to make sense. I think out of something that's not yeah in our in this human form, it's never all going to make sense. Like it's physically impossible in a lifetime to try to make sense of everything in this world. Like some people spend 30 years writing one book and they're a master at that, like it's a very specific area, but that's less than 1% of what this reality is. So everyone's trying to make sense and trying to figure out what works for them, what they're interested in, like these physicists that are coming up with these theories, like that's what they're calling is. That's what they're interested in. Like they have, they've dedicated their life to that because that's what interests them. Other people aren't going to give a shit about physics, right? Because that's not their calling. That's not what they're here to do. What you're here to do. Let's get to what what you're here to do. And that's to talk about magic. That works for you. That's what you're doing. That's how you're spending your life. You're a change agent. You're a breath worker. You're a mushroom enthusiast. You're a psychonaut. You like psilocybin, the magic mushrooms. Talk to me about magic. What's it all about? What have you been working on? You got uh, retreats now in Portugal, in Mexico. Uh, You bought a house recently in uh, Joshua Tree, California. That's where you're coming to us live, right? Streaming to us live thanks to the amazing invention that Al Gore gave us in the internet. You're coming to us live all the way from California. I'm down here in Texas. So uh, talk to me a bit. Talk to me a little bit about magic. What's your project? What's it all about? What are you trying to accomplish with it? Yeah. So Shemagic was created because my partner, Dulce, and I, we were super into, yes, spirituality or just trying to figure out answers. So we put together, okay, what are the top things that we've gained the most benefits, insights, learning, growth, transformation, healing from? And how can we take all of those things and put them into a week-long experience and offer that to people? Because a lot of people... And you tell them about the things that, yeah, we were experiencing throughout the world. They were like, yeah, I'd love to do that, but where? Like, I don't know even how, how to start. So that's how Shumagic was born. And we wanted to take all the things that, yeah, gave us the greatest benefit and put it into a week long so you could come, experience it all. We'll take care of every, everything. You don't have to worry that you show up. Everything else is taken care of. And... That is Shumagic. We put on retreat, 
magical experiences. We have a place down in Mexico in a national park, super beautiful. Uh, and then we're, this year we're also taking it to Portugal. So those weekends involve a mix of yoga, breath work, different types of ceremonies, plant medicines, uh, group work. So really, you come there, we always say we, we created it so people can come and do deep work in a light way. A lot of today, what people see is, yeah, all if you do deep work, it's got to be super heavy. If you want to dive into the, your inner demons and uncover stuff and heal different parts of yourself, it has to be super hard and it's going to be tough. And we don't believe in that. We believe that it can be done in a super light way with a lot of laughter and there can be crying and there can be releases, but it doesn't need to be so serious. So yeah, we do that. We're, yeah, this is our third year doing it. We love it. Every group that's came, we have groups come, people from all over the world. Very few people know each other before they come to our events. And every single person leaves a different person. And it, a lot of people think, oh, I go to these experiences and it's going to be great. It's like vacation. You go and it's oh fun, ha, ha, ha. And then you come back to reality and it sucks again. But that's not, the goal is to switch to switch each person who comes and give a new frequency and that frequency for that frequency to stay. So there's life before Shamagic and there's life after. And the after you go back and you're a different person. How did you, how did you come about maybe uh, the, the weekly activities and um, you know, the things that you do on these retreats? Um, where did you get, you know, some of the, some of these ideas from are these kind of like old world traditions. I read some of the stuff on the website today. Um, is there mixed in with some new stuff? Uh, do you have people unplug from their reality? No technology, no internet, no phone, or you allow that too? Uh, kind of what, what entails this retreat or do you pretty much leave it, uh, you know, up to the individual? However they, you know, do you try to provide them with some guidance and some specific rules or are you pretty flexible? Yeah. So we have them do some pre-work just to get clear on why exactly they want to come. And that's a conversation we have, yeah, before even accepting them to come to the experience. And then once they're there, it's planned out. So yes, it's not planned out. Like every hour of the day, we have something planned out because that's, to me, that's way too much. So there's, a, there's every day they wake up, it's the same thing. We're going to do yoga, breath work, two and a half hours, breakfast, then we have maybe an hour or two break where you can do whatever. I mean, there's places to, we have a pool, you can go hang out, you can go for a walk, do whatever you want, take a nap. And then it'll be group work. So that's typically one, an hour, hour and a half of group work. And that's either, we call it integration. So it's either, which is a play on words of intention setting or integration. Because a lot of these experiences, if we just go through these experiences, let's just use plant medicine. If we go to, we have a mushroom ceremony, right? We go and we have this mushroom ceremony and we have these insights and yada, yada, yada. And then we just forget about it after. I think that's just a waste of time. It's basically at that point we were just getting high, right? Yeah. There's no ceremonial aspect. <laughs> so it's how do we then take that, whatever comes up in that experience. And then how are we going to integrate that back into our life? Because I've done a lot of plant medicines and if you don't do the integration work after and go back into the plant medicine, it's just going to show you the same thing. And it's going to be a little bit harsher because it's showing you the path, what you're supposed to do. So yeah, so we have yoga, breath work, breakfast, 
the intent integration, which is their intention setting, preparing for the upcoming ceremony of the day, or integration and intention setting, if we had a ceremony the day before, how do we integrate that and then prepare for the next ceremony? And then each day will be a different ceremony. And that could be a mushroom ceremony, the plant medicines we work with those mushrooms, changa, which is a DMT-based medicine. It comes from the root of a tree, or peyote, which is a cactus. So those are the plant medicines. So that could be one of those during the day. So talk to me about that. Talk, talk to me about that conscious experience, how your consciousness is altered. I've read um, you know, psilocybin, uh, psychedelics. They help maybe open up your brain to make new connections, maybe playing on our brain's natural abilities for uh, neuroplasticity. It's high, highly adaptive. Uh, it's very easily and rewirable. I mean, our brains right now are rewiring themselves during this entire conversation. Maybe people out there listening to us, their brains are rewiring themselves. So talk to me about maybe how those plant-based medicines, how those psychedelics, maybe how, how they help the experience, um, how they enhance the experience. And what about people that maybe are opposed? Maybe they want to come out and do a retreat, but don't want to do, you know, plant-based medicines or drugs or whatever you want to call it. Uh, do you have those types of people too? We haven't had anyone, but it's always a choice. Everything's a choice. So if you don't want to skip the yoga and breath work, or you want to skip the hike, or you want to skip the sweat lodge, the Timascal, or you want to skip the plant medicines, we, we, we actually had one person who has skipped the plant medicines. So that's the, that's the choice. So you, we still say, come be in the ceremony. Cause just being there again, being in that energy, people still get a lot out of it. So the person in particular that I'm thinking of who chose not to partake in the plant medicine still came to the ceremony. And it was, she had tons of insights just from being there. Like she just came there, brought her journal, Watch was there with us all from the entire ceremony, just chose not to do it and still had a ton of insights. So just being there, just being there creates insights, change, transformation. But most people, yeah, 99% of the people who come are all in and most of them have not done anything before. So we get a lot of people who have never done psychedelics or plant medicines before and they come to do them with us. How, how does these psychedelics, how does it, I've actually never done any psychedelics. Uh, how does it alter your consciousness? How does it alter your reality? How does it alter the way you see yourself and maybe the external you know, environment out there? So I see them all as teachers. So there's the mushroom teacher, there's the changa teacher. Everything's a teacher. Everything's a spirit. So it's coming in and depending on what you want to work on or what you want to create, it's going to aid in that process. Uh, and it's going to show you, it's not going to show you a lot of people think like, Oh, I'll be tripping and seeing clowns and shit that I don't want to see. Like it's not going to show you anything that you're not ready to see. So there's a lot of fear around that. Like what's going to come up? What's, you know, what am I going to see? What's going to happen? Like, is it going to be scary? But it's only going to show you and it's only going to give you exactly what you need in that moment. And we've never had anyone who came who had a bad, quote unquote, bad trip, which I don't, even, I don't believe that there is such a thing as a bad trip. There can be a difficult trip, but typically after that experience, it was difficult during it. There's so much, so many lessons, so much that unfolds after. And it's not just the experience. Like you said, it creates neuroplasticity in the brain. So it's not like, okay, we go, we have the ceremony and then it's over. 
it continues to unfold for weeks after that and different things start coming whether it's throughout the day you're just driving and something suddenly something pops in or you're in the shower something pops in so it continues to give and give and it just changes yeah it changes our frequency overall it changes our energy you talked about the ceremony uh what's involved in the ceremony uh, i read some stuff on the website shamagic uh yeah, there's some chanting, some music. Um, you know, what's what's I guess what's all involved with that dancing? So, depending on the ceremony, we have live musicians come in who are playing and guiding the entire thing through music. I think music's super key for any ceremony. Um, other ceremonies, there's points where there's no music at all. For instance, the peyote ceremony, you're up all night long. It starts at 9 p.m. and you're up until the sunrise. But it's super energy. You don't feel tired. There's a fire. The fire is super important in that ceremony. Uh, it's a great teacher as well. So the fire holds the entire energy of the circle. And yeah, depending on the ceremony, there could be live music. There could be other music playing. Uh, if you want to get up and dance, you get up and dance. If you want to get up and move, you get up and move. A lot of times we have the ceremonies done, not in silence, but we encourage you to go within. Because a lot of times, sometimes people want to go and talk to other people and take, it's taking you out of the experience. It's almost like, okay, I'm afraid to do my own work. So I'm just going to go back into the external world, which is where you typically live. And I'm just going to direct my focus elsewhere. So it's, we're all here in a group setting, but we're all doing our individual work within the group support. So, uh, I talked to you before the podcast. You do some traveling now in the Airstream. So are you kind of traveling between these destinations, California, Joshua Tree, Monterey? How do you spend your life? You're in the Airstream 24-7, or how's, how's, uh, how's your week-to-week, day-to-day look? So for the past three, yeah, over three, year, three years, I was traveling around in the Airstream. Uh, before that, like we talked about earlier, I was in healthcare healthcare consultant, had a house, yada, yada, yada. And I sold everything and said, I'm going to come to San Diego. I'm going to get an Airstream, come to San Diego, and then figure it out from there. So, yeah, for three years, it's traveling around. Me and my partner, Dulce, we're traveling around uh, in an Airstream. And from there, San Diego is our home base, but we were all constantly moving around. We never had, like, a, a set spot. And now we just got a place in Joshua Tree. We're going to start holding smaller group experiences here. And this is going to be our, yeah, this will be our home base. And we have our place in Mexico. So we go there every two months. And then we also do trainings throughout the world, in Europe, in India. We're going to Doha in February for a yoga training. And then India, March. And then we're doing a Euro tour. So Portugal. This is this is awesome stuff. We got less than two minutes. We got to do another podcast another time here. Uh, I don't want to cut you off here because I'm sure we got so much more to cover. I do like to end with this kind of question, or at least ask all my guests this question: What's the meaning of life? What are we all doing here? You got two minutes. Can you answer that question? To create magic. That's I dig it. it. I dig it, brother. Yo, uh, best of luck. Sounds really cool. I was happy to catch up with you. Uh, let's stay in, in contact and let's do this again sometime. I'd love to hear more about the sure. magic and the projects you're working on. Yes, let's do it. Thanks you have anything to, anything awesome. to say to the people? You got about a minute or so. Plug whatever you want. Any websites, any information. Go ahead. 
Yeah, go check us out, shamagic.love. It's S-H-A-M-A-G-I-C dot love. We have a retreat coming up in April, May, and October. We'd love to have you there. Go check us out there. Uh, social media, same thing, shamagic.love. So let's connect. If you have any questions or want to connect, just reach out there, and I'm happy to talk or answer anything. Are you a guru? Would you say you're a guru? No. <laughs> I'm not a guru. I'm just a, <laughs> a guy, yeah, who's searching answer for myself, and when I find some, I like the shows with other people who are looking for them. All right, brother. Really enjoyed it. Have a great night. Appreciate your time. All right, you too, man. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Necessary Illusions. I also want to thank my special guest, Nick Menard of Shamagic. We had a great discussion on philosophy of change and our reality. Again, I am your host, MC Squared. No gods, no masters. I'm out.